Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Sis Internet Radio. Sisters in Spirit, affectionately called Sis, is a nurturing environment for women that inspires harmony in everyday living, shares resources that empower, offers information and support that nourishes the soul, balances our mental and physical well-being, and promotes inner peace and heightened spirituality. Our vision is a world where women live consciously, harmoniously, and spiritually to positively impact our lives and the lives of those with whom we come into contact. Join us as we live life with style, grace, and of course, much joy. Greetings, I'm Darlene Raisa Nazaire, and you're listening to Cis Empowerment Radio. So get ready to have harmony infused into your everyday living. My co-host, Deborah Sky Samuels, will be joining us shortly in our virtual studio. So for tonight, here's the priceless question for us all. If we could be happier, have clarity of purpose, fulfillment in life, by following simple, practical guidelines, would we? Would we take those steps? Steps that would align us closer to the center of our being and allow us to reside in the sweet spot where doing intersects with being. But no, not as a bliss ninny, rather in deep observation and respect of life as it is. Well, the good news is that this is possible through mindfulness meditation. And tonight, we are fortunate to have Charles A. Francis with us as our guest to discuss our topic, Paint Your Life Masterpiece Through Mindfulness Meditation. Charles authored the book, Mindfulness Meditation Made Simple, Your Guide to Finding True Inner Peace. And he gave us 12 a quick and easy 12-step guide to getting to that intersection consistently and eventually being able to live there. Charles is a co-founder and director of the Mindfulness Meditation Institute. He has studied the practice of mindfulness with Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh, and for over 18 years he has worked to help people find inner peace through mindfulness meditation. Charles, welcome, welcome to the show. Hi, Darlene. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for being here with us. And I want to jump into the first question that came to my mind when I saw the title of your book, because I thought that all meditation was mindful. So what's the difference between mindfulness meditation and, let's say, basic meditation? Is there a difference? Well, that's a great question, and it was a big source of confusion for me when I was first learning how to meditate because, like many people, I just thought meditation was just meditation. Um, and what I came to realize sometime later was that there are various forms of meditation. There's Zen meditation, there's guided imagery, there's relaxation meditation, and each religion also has its own form of meditation. While uh, they're similar in in their technique and their approaches or their goals, uh, there are some differences. Now, mindfulness meditation is one form 
And it has its roots in the oldest form of meditation that the Buddha taught over 2,500 years ago. And the, mm-hmm. the basic goal is to develop mindfulness or awareness of what's happening in the present moment, either within us or in the world around us, so that we can just make better decisions on how to, how to conduct ourselves and, and also so that we don't trigger the painful emotions that create our suffering. Hmm. So, you know, as you mentioned suffering, I'm thinking that we have the tools to realize freedom from suffering and recognize that we have this internal wisdom that helps us overcome this while we are incorporating mindfulness meditation. But why do you think that it is that so many people, even just knowing that this capability is there, don't tap into the tool and actually make use of it. Well, I, I think one of the reasons is is because we have uh, very strong habits. We tend to want to not have to think about the things that we need to do. So we develop habits on or routines as well so that we don't have to go through a day thinking about each commitment that we have. So it's hard to, uh, first of all, take on a new commitment, say, to a meditation practice when we have all these other commitments. And the second part is is that, you know, we hear meditation and we hear the benefits, but we still have some doubts. You know, we're, we're not really certain, you know, how could, you know, sitting still for a few minutes be productive? You know, what we think of being productive is, as physically doing something or actively thinking about something. But the problem is is that a lot of the things that we think about are just like rehashing of events or things that we want to happen in the future. So not all of it is very productive. So the the idea is to get, get started easier, and one of the first things I... I talk about in the book is developing some goals because usually people who who are successful, you know, who want to achieve something, they set goals for themselves. Uh, so there's a simple exercise in the book. It's basically a goal statement exercise where we set our own meditation goals, you know, something that's achievable, and then, you know, put it somewhere where we'll see it every day. You know, that way we'll keep reminding ourselves. You know, so the whole uh, 12 steps are designed to keep us involved in our meditation practice so that we can get some traction and, and make it part of our daily routine. Yeah, and I think that's a very important point that you make around setting goals because I don't think that meditation is something that we normally say, okay, I'm going to attach a goal to and I'm going to track it and make sure that it is going somewhere. So as you mentioned, we attach that kind of a goal to the doing of something instead of something that just allows us to be, Well, at the same time it's going to enhance our lives. I know from my personal right. practice, go ahead. Well, I, I, I think that's really the, the biggest challenge for beginners is is just getting started. And, you know, some of the goals that we 
we try to incorporate in our practice is, say, for example, how often we're going to meditate and for how long. Uh, because sometimes, you know, people who start out meditations, uh, you know, they want to do it for half an hour, 45 minutes right from the start, and they find that very difficult. So what we want to do is is set some goals that are achievable. Uh, like say maybe the first week start out for five or ten minutes a day or every other day. The next week I increase it to 15 to 20 minutes as we become more able to to sit still uh, because our mind will settle down over time. Mm-hmm. And you know th- that's another thing is that uh, new meditators get discouraged when they think they have to do it perfectly and they're not able to. Old uh, ones, you know, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even us experienced meditators, you know, we still have stray thoughts that are constantly coming into our mind. The idea is to to let our mind settle down over time, and, and it will. And you'd be surprised at how quickly it can happen, you know, when you use the techniques. And those techniques, I explain them, you know, very simply and clearly in the book. Yeah, and I know for me, it's the stray thoughts. At times, you can allow them to just pass through like a cloud and, you know, kind of observe and watch them and not become attached to them. And then there are those clouds that become rain clouds. You just Mm -hmm. can't seem to let them go. They just, you know, they're with you and you pop you out of meditation. But the thing is, there's no wrong or right way to do it. So you can just get back into it without the judgment. Yeah. Well, with mindfulness meditation, we have some good techniques to help us deal with the stray thoughts. Uh, one of them is a, it's very simple. It's a counting technique. We count our breaths one through five silently mm-hmm. in our mind. And what that does is it helps us stay focused. It helps us stay focused on, on just our breathing, and it keeps the, the stray thoughts at bay until our mind you know, gets a chance to settle down. And that's what we call a concentration meditation. Because basically what we're trying to do is develop our observation skills. If we want to develop mindfulness, our ability to see the world more objectively, we need to train ourselves to to look more objectively. So concentration is one of them. The first thing we need to do is steady our mind a little bit if we want to be able to, to observe something. Once our mind is steady and we can focus on, our, on one object, then with, with mindfulness we can look deeper. We can look beyond the surface, beyond a point that we're used to looking at things. Because very often we, we can't see things very clearly because, uh, first of all, our mind is, is agitated and has all these, these straight thoughts going through our mind. So it's hard for us to to look at anything with any depth. So yeah, with with constant, and I, with, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so anyway, with with, with, uh, with uh, mindfulness meditation, we're really training ourselves to to just uh, calm our mind, our emotions, and to be able to look clear. Interesting. And you brought up the topic of agitation. 
And I noticed in the book that you mentioned that there are four main sources of agitation, too many commitments, background noise, painful memories, and worrying, and that worry is the ego's greatest ally. So would you tell us some more about those four sources of agitation, please? Sure. Well, we all, in this country, especially here in the West, you know, we have a tendency to want to be productive. We want to achieve things in our lives. So, you know, for example, we want to have a good career. Uh, we want to have a, a nice home, nice vehicle, nice family. So all these things require commitment. And, you know, the more of these things that we have, the more they stimulate our mind because they keep us busy all the time. Uh, so, you know, we have to, you know, be more mindful of the commitments that we're taking on and and ask ourselves if we're, if they're really contributing to the, our happiness and to the happiness of our family. Because, you know, very often we, we just overextend ourselves. We want to fill up every minute of our day with some activity. So in our mind, uh, we can feel more productive. But the problem is, is it starts becoming counterproductive when it's too much because we, we can't see the road ahead. You know, we can't see, you know, how we're getting to where we want to go or we're not even sure where we're going. So right. what I... Sometimes the important things don't fit in. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, You know, sometimes we have commitments that, uh, you know, we can't, uh, you know, abandon our family or or quit our jobs or anything like that. But um, what I always suggest to people, and there's an exercise in the book, is to make a list of all your commitments in order of priority. Then... Look at the ones at the bottom, those of low priority, and you know, consider uh, you know, eliminating some of them for some, and substitute it with some personal time, some time to take care of ourselves, to take t- time for meditation, some quiet time to mm-hmm. let our minds settle down. And what happens is when our mind calms down, we can see our lives clear. And we can make better decisions on where to focus our time and energy to where we can become more productive. You know, I often tell people that if you want to be be more productive, then slow down. Now, right? You know that, that because we that, that often get caught up in our, not. Be, I get it because we often get caught up in our own drama of our lives, which is, is a production that we created through busyness and. Just doing. Exactly. So, you know, that, that's what happens when we take on too many commitments. Now, the other sources of our mental agitation, background noise, uh, very often we're uncomfortable with complete silence. So what we do is we'll turn on the television or we'll turn on the radio, uh, put on some music or just something to have some noise in the background. Because there's something uncomfortable about complete silence. We almost get a sense of loneliness. 
you know, if we don't have uh, some activity going on around us. Um, but the problem is, is that this background noise, it's stimulating our mind. Anything that's, that uh, stimulates any of our senses, whether it's sight, sound, taste, touch, smell, will trigger a thought. So what I suggest to people is uh, look at things that you, the noise that's in the, your background. See if there's something that you have control over and try to eliminate them. And that will make your meditation a lot easier because your mind will not get overly stimulated. Now, the the third source, yeah, the third source, painful memories, that that takes a little more time uh, to deal with, and it'll it'll become a lot easier as we develop mindfulness because we also develop much greater inner strength. So it becomes a lot easier to deal with uh, with painful memories from our past, and of course the worrying. The worrying, uh, you know, that's a lot of that is grounded in the ego and unrealistic thinking. Uh, we think about, and it, it's also rooted in an agitated mind. So as our mind calms down, the worrying will subside significantly. And, of course, that makes sense. And a lot of the things that we worry about are not even real. They're based on what-if illusionary scenarios that more than likely will never occur. Right. And as we develop mindfulness, that unrealistic thinking will will start to go away. Interesting. So I saw that you have 12 steps, and I'm going to read off the 12 steps, and then we'd like to talk about each one of them briefly and kind of hit the highlights. Does that work for you? Sure. Okay. Step one. We became aware of the pain and suffering created by unmindful thought, speech, and action. Step two, we created how to develop our primary tools of observation, concentration, and mindfulness. Step three, we sought to eliminate the things that agitate our mind and prevent us from achieving inner peace and serenity, which we just discussed. Step four, we learned how to structure our meditation session for maximum effectiveness and to fit our lifestyle. Step five, in order to enhance our spiritual evolution, we made mindfulness meditation a regular practice. Step six, we remained vigilant in our meditation practice so that we continued making steady progress. Step seven, we became aware that other people can provide us with the spiritual nourishment vital to our development. Step eight, we sought to cultivate peace and harmony in our relationships and interactions with others by practicing deep listening, mindful speech, non-judging, and forgiveness. Step nine, we sought to dwell deeply in our spiritual community in order to enhance our development and that of others. Step 10, we became aware of how unmindful consumption perpetuates our suffering and prevents us from achieving true inner peace. Step 11, 
with the strength, courage, and mindfulness we attained through our meditation practice, we confronted and overcame the wounds from our past. And finally, step 12, having found freedom from our suffering through mindfulness meditation, we shared this practice with others and continued dwelling deeply in the present moment through mindful living. So I'd like to ask a question, who is the we? And then let's start going through each one of them. Well, the reason I put we in the steps is because to reinforce the idea that we we do this together. Uh, one one thing that comes from the meditation practice, the mindfulness meditation, is that we start to see our interconnectedness with the rest of humanity. And we'll see that we... We all depend on each other. We, our actions affect other people. And other people are a great resource for spiritual strength and, and also support and, and, and wisdom. So we try and reinforce the idea that we're doing this all together. Mm-hmm. Now, um, to give you an overall logic behind the, the 12 steps, the first few steps, like say one through four, they they go over some of the basic principles of mindfulness meditation. Uh, and step five, uh, that's the actual meditation steps. Then the remaining steps, they're they're geared more towards enhancing our practice. You know, powerful tools to to help us get more out of our meditation practice. And then to you know, once we achieve greater mindfulness. We, we start to see our interconnectedness with the rest of humanity, and we start to care more about other people. So we want to share sure. what we found and how to help them find freedom from suffering. So uh, basically step one is about a little bit of understanding of our own suffering, of what suffering really is, because you know we, we might be aware of suffering as saying the pain that we go through uh, when, we say, we lose a, a loved one or we're having problems at work or or just, you know, some other traumatic event. But there's more to suffering than just that. Even when there's nothing particular going on, we may not be completely at peace. So if we're not completely at peace, then there is still a level of suffering within us. So with, through the mindfulness meditation practice, we start to become aware of the, the different ways that we suffer because it, it's, it's kind of like a, we don't notice something is there until all of a sudden it's gone. And that's a lot of what happens with our suffering. And, okay. and step one also covers... Go ahead. To a question for you, would you say that people you work with, do you find that they are afraid of what might come up, the suffering that they may uncover? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a very normal part of the process. Uh, you know, many of us have wounds from the past uh, that we don't like to think about, and we try and do everything we can to avoid thinking about them. And that, that's one of the reasons why we we 
we um, get involved in, sometimes we get involved in too many activities or or we have a lot of background noise um, that's to deal with our stress. You know, sometimes the stress can be just from, you know, our, our daily activities like, like work or, or family situation. But if we have deeper wounds from our past, you know, we can also, you know, use uh, other things to help us relax. Um, and basically what those things do is they just dull our minds. But, uh, yeah, the, um, you know, we, we do a lot of things to avoid uh, feeling the pain and suffering from our past. But that's something that we deal with uh, further along and more like in step 11. And once we mm-hmm. become stronger and once we're, our emotions are more manageable and or they're more steady, and that's a natural uh, benefit of the mindfulness meditation practice is that we'll, we won't uh, feel the effect, the emotional effects of things that used to trigger um, painful emotions in us. So when we get to step 11, it'll be a lot easier to deal with it, to confront them, the wounds from our past, and to transform them. And once we, once we deal with them, they'll never bother us again. Yeah, we're raised to a higher vibrational frequency, and that issue is no longer there. It can no longer exist. Right, exactly. And we've had our co-host join the show, Deborah Sky Samuels. So I'd like to bring her into the discussion. Sure. Welcome, Deborah. Um, welcome. Um, hi, Darlene. And I'm just so happy to get here. Um, forgive me for being late. And um, please, you know, continue the conversation. Okay, thank you. We were just talking about the 12 steps, and we are up to step two. Charles? Okay, uh, yeah, step two, we we basically covered that already um, in our conversation before about concentration and mindfulness. Those are Mm -hmm. our tools of observation. So when we're meditating, we're training ourselves uh, to concentrate on one object or subject, uh, which during our meditation is our breath. And then, you know, once our mind steadies a bit, you know, then we can look at our breathing in a slightly different manner. In other words, we can look beyond the surface. So basically what we're training ourselves to do is to observe uh, more objectively. And that, that's, that's and the breath. basic gist of step two. Yeah, the breath definitely has a story for you. When you're breathing shallowly, then you know that you're stressed, and deeper breaths are indicative of a peace of mind state or just a more relaxed state. Right, right. And I like and how you state in the, the book. Well, the, I was just the, saying the that. The other thing about the breath it. is that. <laughs> the other thing about the breath is that it keeps us grounded in the present moment, which is where reality is taking place, where where, sure. where life is taking place. You know, we we often get caught up in the past and the future, but those are just thoughts of the past or the future. They're not mm-hmm. reality. Mm-hmm. Reality is always taking place in the present moment, and by following our breath, we keep ourselves anchored in the present moment. Now that's a great tool to use. 
And I like what you said about like a journalist, we're trying to get to the truth. Because we want to understand the truth of who we are and escape from all of those illusions that we created for ourselves or, or even just from being stuck in the past or afraid of the future. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There, there's a lot of fear that uh, that control our lives. And, you know, when... when we, we succumb to our fears, you know, we, we just get paralyzed and we we can't move ahead with the li- our lives the way we want to. They just keep us hesitating. It keeps us from doing things. So that's what's great about the mindfulness meditation practice is it helps us overcome a lot of our fears. And it's just like a natural progression. And there are fears that we didn't even recognize that we have that that will come up through our journalistic approach to observation and watching what comes up and discovering oh, absolutely. what's been sitting there. Okay, good. Yeah. Let's go to step three. Uh, step three, I we, we basically covered that. Those were the, the sources of, our mental agitation, the too many commitments, mm-hmm. the background noise, painful memories, and worrying. Okay. So maybe we can move on to, to step four, which okay. is step four is, is the structuring of our meditation session. Uh, people ask me, you know, when's the best time to meditate? Well, and I turn around and ask them, well, when's the best time for you? Um, you know, some people might feel more alert in the mornings. Others might feel more alert in the afternoon or even the evening. And the other thing to consider is the availability of some quiet time in your house. Or or at work sometimes, you know, you maybe you have, can find a quiet time or place uh, during lunch or, or after work or, or whenever. So each person has to... Uh, figure out when's the best time for them. Uh, the other thing is, um, you know, finding you know a place that you can make kind of like your little sanctuary. I mean, that that's ideal. We want a place, you know, where we can uh, kind of maybe have our own props, like either candles or incense or a mindfulness bell, and you know, just things. These things kind of remind us. Of, of our meditation practice and some of the things that we're trying to achieve with our practice. So so basically, step four is about designing our meditation session to fit our own lifestyle. And and that's what's great about the, the mindfulness meditation practice is that there's no right or wrong uh, about it. Each Each person, it's flexible enough for each of us to to incorporate it into their own lives. Can I ask um, ask a question? First, thank you, Charles, for being with us this evening. And um, is is it wise or, or are you getting the best out of a meditation session if you schedule it in the evening or before you go to bed when you can tend to drift off to sleep? Or should it be at a time where you can focus on the entire process without going to sleep. Yeah. Well, I t- 
tend to do it late at night um, when I'm still alert but not sleepy. Mm-hmm. So that you know, so there there's a fine line sometimes there. Uh, because remember, what we're trying to develop through the mindfulness meditation practice is a mental alertness. Okay. You know, this is not relaxation meditation. Or, okay. Or, you know, where we're not trying to go into a deep sleep. So mm-hmm. you want to do it when we feel the most alert, ideally. Okay. okay. That's a good clarification. Because we're training our mind to concentrate. We definitely don't want to drift off into a peaceful sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thank you. Yeah, if we need, uh, if we're tired, then, you know, we should get some sleep. (laughs) Meditate later. (laughs) Yeah. um, Like you said, it's not relaxation. So, yes, I understand the difference. And can I ask you something else while we're talking, and this may be off the topic. But uh, or you may have discussed it, but what do you find uh, is the difference, or what is the difference between prayer and meditation? Well, that that's a hard one to answer conclusively because different spiritual traditions have a different definition of prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I was discussing that today with a gentleman. I I was teaching about mindfulness and. You know, what I've heard other people in in different religions call prayer is a lot similar to the concentration meditation, where instead of focusing on their breath, they're focusing on a, on a particular scripture, or they're repeating the scripture in their, you know, over and over in their mind, or they might be um, repeating a mantra. Mm-hmm. So... It's it's hard to really say what the difference is between prayer and meditation because you know everybody has a slightly different idea of what prayer is. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 So uh, if we want to go on with the steps, in step five, uh, that that's a. Step five is really the the actual meditation step. That's where, you know, I guide somebody through the mechanics of a meditation session. And usually when when I do a guided meditation, I normally start out with a short relaxation meditation because it's it's difficult for us to come to complete stop, you know, to quiet our mind if we're, you know, physically or, or mentally agitated. So uh, this is more like a body scan, you know, for about five minutes or so, just to kind of help our body slow down. And by slowing down the body, it helps slow down the mind. And then after that, we transition into what we call the concentration meditation, which we discussed in, in step two. So we do that for another few minutes, and, you know, that that's a concentration meditation is – it's a rather rigid form of meditation where, I was, where we're doing everything possible to keep our mind focused on our breath. So there's really nothing gentle about it. And the idea is to develop mental discipline um, because our mind just wanders off so easily. And that's very normal. So you know, for anybody who thinks that 
you know, if they can't keep their mind completely still that they're not doing it correctly, you know, you, know, you just try and rid yourself of that idea because there's no such thing as perfection. What we're trying to do is help our mind slow down and you know, just help some of those um, excess thoughts kind of go away naturally. So the concentration meditation will help us stay focused there. And then we'll transition into what we call the mindfulness meditation part of the session where we continue observing our breath, uh, but this time you know, we stop the counting of each breath and we'll just observe the whole breathing process in a more gentle manner. And then when... Uh, when a stray thought comes in, you know, we just be aware that it is there and just and just ignore it, just let it go by and then return our attention to our breath. So we start observing our breath on a much deeper level. So really step five is more the actual mechanics of a meditation session. Mm-hmm. Can we go through a quick uh, mindfulness meditation and give the audience a sample of what a guided meditation might feel like. Sure, we, we can do about uh, about maybe a two to three minute meditation. Uh, so, what I first thing I tell people is to sit in a comfortable position. Really, we want to sit with our feet flat on the floor, our back straight, and our hands in. A, you know, sit with your hands in a comfortable position. Then. Just if you haven't already, you know, simply close your eyes and begin observing your breath. Focus your attention on the sensation of the air passing through the tip of your nose. Begin counting each breath silently in your mind. One through five. When you get to five, simply start over again. When a stray thought or outside distraction interrupts your concentration, simply ignore it and bring your attention back to your breath. Breathing in, I know I am breathing in. Breathing out, I know I am breathing out. If your mind has strayed, bring your attention back to the air passing through the tip of your nose and continue counting. Now we're going to switch over to mindfulness meditation. Instead of forcing our attention on the breath, we're simply going to observe it gently. We will also treat distractions differently. When a distraction arises, be aware that it is there, but don't indulge in it. You can stop counting now, but keep your attention on your breath. 
Notice how your lungs expand with each in-breath and contract with each out-breath. Let your breathing become relaxed and natural. As your body relaxes, notice how you take each breath in one graceful motion. Breathing in, I feel the air nourishing my body. Breathing out, I feel my body relaxing. Breathing in, I feel the energy of mindfulness nourishing my mind. Breathing out, I dwell deeply in the present moment. You can now go ahead and open your eyes and bring your attention back to your surroundings. And that's basically the mechanics of a regular meditation session. Of course, we will meditate for for longer periods like 15, 20. Sometimes we can meditate for 40, 40 minutes to an hour. Yeah, I think the key is there. It's simple. There's no long process about getting into the meditation. You don't have to go get candles, music, find the perfect state of peace before you start meditating. Or even as you just came out of the meditation, it wasn't a long process to come out of it either. So in our minds, I think we may make it a project, and it just doesn't have to be a project. <laughs> That's right. You know, we we think that we have to be totally relaxed before we start meditating. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I mean, the the meditation practice is what helps us calm down. You know, so right. You know, we don't have to have things perfect. Nothing has to be perfect in this. You know, we just need to do it, and we just need to give it our best effort. And and with that, you'll make steady progress. If you keep doing that you'll find your mind calming down, and you'll start to feel different over time. Mm-hmm. Would you give us your contact information, provide the title of your book again, and let people know where they can purchase it? Sure. The title of the book is Mindfulness Meditation Made Simple, Your Guide to Finding True Inner Peace. And it's available on Amazon and, and any other uh, major retail outlets. And they can find me at, uh, at my website. It's Mindfulness Meditation Institute, all one word, dot org. And there on the website, there's also uh, some uh, resources page with with a lot of free uh, uh, downloadable exercises. Uh, you know, one of them that we talked about uh, the goal statement exercise, but also we developed the a new technique called loving-kindness writing meditation. Now, loving-kindness meditation itself is not new. That's that's a part of a, a mindfulness meditation that's been with been around since the time of the Buddha. But what is different in our approach is how we do it. Traditionally, 
the, the verses of the loving kindness meditation were either recited or they were they were read or we repeated them silently in our mind. Um, now there are verses like say may I be more loving, may I be more compassionate, more understanding uh, towards myself and other people and so forth. So they're basic wholesome principles that we want to aspire to. Um, well, what we did was instead of reciting them or just reading them, we one day I thought about well, what would happen if we write them? And you know, I figured you know maybe after a month, you know, we start to see some effect from this. So, so me and a friend, you know, we we both did the exercise together. Well, my friend came back to me after just about three or four days and told me that she was feeling very different. And I asked her, well, in what sense? Well, now when I go to the store, uh, whereas before, you know, she she was had always been an introvert. You know, she went to the store and never talked to anybody, just, you know, did the groceries as quickly as possible and got out of there without talking to anybody. She said, now all of a sudden, now I'm going in there, I'm talking to strangers, people in the aisles, just, you know, starting up a conversation with them. And then when I, I'm in the checkout line, I'm talking to people there, I'm, I'm talking to the cashier, I'm just having a wonderful time out of something so mundane as, as doing our, our grocery shopping. And, you know, and I started having you know, a similar effect, though though I I'd, mm. I achieved, you know, much of the changes through, through the regular mindfulness meditation practice. But I didn't notice myself becoming more gentle and more uh more outgoing, uh more uh compassionate towards other people. My attitude started to change. I didn't get so frustrated in traffic. Uh so what I what I realized was happening was by writing the verses down, it was literally programming them into our subconscious so that we find ourselves behaving differently according to these wholesome principles without any conscious effort. And the great thing about it is that it only takes about five to ten minutes a day. That's it. And you don't need a quiet place or time, and you don't have to really be paying attention to what you're doing. In fact, I think it's probably better if you're not paying attention to it because that way you bypass the conscious mind and you imprint the principles in your subconscious. So th- those are those exercises, the, the writing meditations, uh, that people can download them for free from our website. It's a very powerful well, That's exercise. a great gift. Yeah, that's an awesome gift. And it sounds like it helps you become more connected with humanity in general. Oh, a- absolutely, and... And the other thing it does is it helps us stay committed to our meditation practice. We have another one called uh, Living the Mindfulness Meditation Practice. It, it's, a, it's a different writing meditation. Uh, so basically, it, we, the verses include uh, our goals of meditating regularly and how to, how to stay engaged in our practice. So the whole book is really centered around teaching people the basics of the practice and helping them stay committed, because in the beginning, that's probably the biggest challenge: is staying, staying committed to your practice. And 
one of the things I, I advocate throughout the book is to get involved in, in a meditation group, uh, preferably, you know, mindfulness meditation, you know, somebody who's doing similar practice as, as this. But if there isn't one, then I encourage people to start their own. And the, the book has all the instructions, and on our website, in the resources section, there's a, a group starter kit that people can also download for free. And it, it's real simple to start a meditation group. All you need are a couple friends to get started. And, you know, that way you have you have each other to, to support each other in your practice and just help you stay, stay involved and stay engaged in your practice. And that's something that we've been planning to do at Sisters in Spirit. So I'm going to take your comments as an initiative to get that going. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that because, you know, the meditating with others, uh, you know, the meditation group is, is such a powerful uh, tool to help us in our practice. You know, it gives us a spiritual nourishment that, that's vital to our development. You know, practicing alone has its place, but we really need the support and the spiritual nourishment that we get from meditating with others. I can see that. You know, a lot of our listeners are here in the U.S., and we're trying to figure out how to balance the pursuit of the American dream and the pursuit of happiness with the state of happiness that you get through exercises such as mindfulness meditation. Can you tell us why the American dream really doesn't yield happiness? (laughs) Yeah, in fact, I just... uh, posted an article in the Huffington Post about this very subject. Uh, You know, we often think of happiness coming from uh, material possessions uh, like uh, money, uh, vehicles, you know, nice home, and all these nice clothes. So in other words, what we're doing is we're stimulating our senses, and we're getting emotional gratification from things, things outside of ourselves. But, you know, the problem with uh, that is that those are all temporary. Any sensual pleasure that we get from the consumption of things is temporary because our, our feelings are temporary. Mm-hmm. So that's not mm-hmm. real happiness. And it, in mindfulness meditation, in the mindfulness practice, we take a different approach. We look to to eliminate the sources of our suffering, the sources of our stress, the sources of our discomfort. And you know, some of them may be uh, issues from our past, or very often it's, it's simply uh, the way we process things in our lives, in the in, our, in the present of our lives, to where they cause us stress because. We don't see the rhyme or reason behind them. So we have an emotional reaction. But when we start to develop greater inner strength, we start to transcend our ego. And it's really our ego that's one that's looking for validation. You know, it's looking for validation for its existence. But our, our ego is just our, the construct of our, of our human mind. 
when we start to awaken to our interconnectedness with the rest of humanity, the ego starts to dissipate. And then we start letting go of our dependence on material things to bring us happiness. So through the practice of mindfulness meditation, we we start to find uh, not just happiness, but real inner peace so that things do not bother us. And I, I think true inner peace is a lot more powerful than temporary sensual pleasure. I would agree. Yes, I think <laughs> definitely. That's that's one of the um, major issues that that we typically have is that we're looking for external things to bring us happiness. When what I'm learning and the way that I like to think about it is that happiness is an internal state of being, and that's something that that nothing externally can really bring you. That's something that we have to get back to through practices like the mindful meditation, through um, prayer. And I, when I speak of prayer, I don't speak of it from a religious point of view, and that's why I was asking your take on the difference between prayer and meditation. But it's really an external state um, of awareness and being that we have to learn how to not let external uh, influences shake or bother you know, so that's a, a learning experience that we have to grow back to. And through these kind of practices, it helps us get back to that state of balance. Right, absolutely. And the, the great thing about mindfulness meditation is that we'll start to see the gradual transformation in us, and it, it will happen naturally. We'll start to feel more at peace. We, we won't our emotions won't be triggered so easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we'll be able to deal with things without being stressed out the way we used to. Um, so, you know, we just start um, getting more control over our emotions. And, you know, it, it's, you know, we won't be at the mercy of, you know, these unpredictable emotions. Or at the mercy of past trauma or stress that we've had in our lives that we continue to project into our future. That's correct, Um, because all those wounds from our past will begin to heal. And once they heal, they'll never bother us again. So we go back to our original questions. If this is available to us and it is so simple, why wouldn't we do it? So I I would just like to segue that into an invitation to our audience who have not begun the practice of meditation to incorporate it into their lives. And for those who are into meditation, it's always the opportunity to take it to the next level and to explore more of yourself on this journey that we call life. We love to end with a quote on the topic, and Charles In addition to thanking you for being here with us tonight, we'd like to close with your thoughts. Yeah, well, first of all, let me thank you so much for for having me on your show. I really appreciate the opportunity to share with your your listeners. And I hope, like you say, they do take this to heart because they'll just find so much peace and relief from their stress in their daily lives. The practice will truly enrich their lives. And the closing quote that I have, 
is from the poet Victor Hugo, and I opened uh, the book with it because I think it's so appropriate. He said, Greater than the tread of mighty armies is an idea whose time has come. And I think mindfulness is, a, is an idea whose time has come. It's, compati- it's compatible with Western values, and now our society is yearning for some form of spiritual and not necessarily religious way of of coping with with their their daily challenges, coping with their stress, and just learning how to be more at peace. You know, so I think mindfulness meditation is is creating a revolution in this country, and you know that's why it's becoming so popular. Yeah, and and that's the change that happens within that makes the biggest difference with that. Deborah, do you have a quote for us? Sure. Um, Meditation brings wisdom. Lack of meditation leaves ignorance. Know well what leads you forward and what holds you back, and choose the path that leads to wisdom. And that's from the Buddha. Thank you. And I have one from Thich Nhat Hanh. When we are mindful, deeply in touch with the present moment, our understanding of what is going on deepens, and we begin to be filled with acceptance, joy, peace, and love. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yes. Charles, would you once again give us your contact information and tell us how to get the book? Yes. Uh, my website is mindfulnessmeditationinstitute.org. And there, like I said before, there's a resources page where they can download uh, several resources, the, mindf- the writing meditations, which I highly recommend. That That's the easiest way to get started in the practice. And the, the book, my book, um, Mindfulness Meditation Made Simple, Your Guide to Finding True Inner Peace, that's available on Amazon and all other retail outlets. And you're at the mindfulinstitute.com, is that correct? Mindfulnessmeditationinstitute.org. Mindfulnessmeditationinstitute.org. So you have, Charles A. Francis, information. We thank you so much for being a guest on our show tonight and sharing this invaluable information. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And thank you to the listeners for joining us tonight. Good night. You've been listening to This Internet Radio. Until the next time, enjoy the fluid flow of life by remembering to infuse harmony into your everyday living.